0: Welcome. Uh, be sure to grab a, a handout. If you're like me and you come to a place like this, the last thing you want to do is spend your whole time writing. So uh, be sure to have a handout. I've put the slides up there, so hopefully there'll be enough to remind you of what we talked about as uh, we move forward. Also, um, I'm expecting we might just have a couple more coming through the door because uh, it's donut time. So. Uh, you all enjoying your, your time here? Good. Um, another thing I like to do, if I'm sitting where you are, I would like to know a little bit about, like, who's that guy talking to me? You know, like, why is he up there, and who is he, and all that. So I'd uh, like to start, before we turn on the tape and get rolling, I'd like to just give you a couple, like a 60-second of who I am and why I'm here and all that kind of stuff. Um, I am... Uh, pastor for the last 30 years. Hi. Uh, be sure to grab a handout as you come in the door. Uh, I'm a pastor the last 30 years, but I'm also a certified life coach. And so I've been uh, coming up here for several summers and y- usually about once a month uh, for overnight or a couple, two days, and come up and uh, get to do speed coaching uh, out under the trees. And it's just been delightful for the last several years. Um, I'm married, Uh, my wife and I, I see some people that were here yesterday, my wife and I met when we were two and three years old. So we've known each other all of our lives, literally. Uh, In fact, my dad and her dad were, were good friends, our families were friends, my dad went to the church to become the pastor of that particular church. Her dad was at the church and then they left that church. Uh, to become missionaries in Brazil, so, uh, and then her grandparents adopted us as surrogate grandkids because, of course, they went to Brazil, so we even have some of the same family history and heritage and traditions and all that. We kind of grew up like cousins. We both had our own boyfriends and girlfriends and all that, but when we got to college, uh, I came back from Europe, and I was a little more serious about life, and I wrote her a nine-page letter. That's a lot of, that's a lot. Yeah, it's a long letter. Uh, Remember back in those days when you actually wrote letters? Yeah. So I wrote her a nine-page letter and I said, look, we've got a Christian heritage that's been amazing over the years. Would you consider the possibility of a relationship that would lead to marriage? If so, would you pray about that for a month and just drop me a line, yes or no? I can't believe I did that. Anyway, I did... She, and a month later, long story short, a month later she said yes. She said yes, and uh, the rest is history. We have four kids, um, been married, uh, just uh, celebrated our 39th anniversary. I know, that just sounds forever. Um, when I was the age of some of you guys and somebody, would, mm-hmm. somebody told me they had been married 13 years, I couldn't even fathom what that would be like. 13 whole years, and now it's 39 for me. But anyway, um, yeah, I've got four kids. I've got a, I've got a son. He's uh, 34, lives in San Jose, uh, gave us our first grandkids, three grandkids, yay. And uh, he's a civil engineer there. I have a daughter who's in San Luis Obispo doing full-time ministry in a church down there, um, married. I have a daughter who's up here with us, which is really fun. Uh, she spent the last two years in France, and she was teaching in the French public school system. Guess what she was teaching? English. Oh, it's too funny. She was teaching English, and, um, and then I have an 18-year-old son who just turned 18 and became a, a young manager at a Safeway next to us or near us. By the way, folks, there's other chairs there. Can we just if, feel free? I mean, you're welcome to sit on the steps but there's chairs around if that would be more comfortable. Be sure to pick up a handout and um, so you don't have to spend your whole time writing. Are we ready to roll? Let's do it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for today. What a beautiful day that you've given us to enjoy. I just thank you for each one here. God, we we wanna hone in on something that's really close to your heart and really, really practical. God, we hear all kinds of Bible studies and sermons, but we just we need to hone in on what it would look like for us to follow you fully and completely, more intentionally in this area of spiritual intimacy. God, would you be with us today? I pray that every single one of us would have something that we could take away that's from you, that's obviously from you, we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, let's jump right into it. We're talking about getting our spiritual act together, together. In other words, a lot of us want to go hard with God. And a lot of us have done a lot of good things over the years, maybe, to get close to God. But how come it's so hard to get close to God together? Why is it so hard? And we can all come up with all kinds of reasons, maybe, why that's hard, but it's just really hard. The hardest person, I've been a pastor for a long time, I promise, and the hardest, one of the hardest relationships to have spiritual intimacy is my own family, my own wife. And there's just, just, it's just sometimes really hard. And so we want to talk about that. We want to talk about how we can grow that relationship and when we're talking about spiritual intimacy, of course, I do, I do lots of seminars. I do seminars on intimacy. But I want to talk about spiritual intimacy particularly. And look at my definition here. We're talking about how to have full spiritual disclosure or full spiritual transparency. Like what's going on in my heart, in my mind, in my spirit? And how can I feel safe? We'll keep coming back to that. How can I feel safe with you and accepted by you? And we're going to do it not just because, hey, 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 we're hip and cool, or we have an affinity, or uh, we we like the same things, but we're going to do it because we want God at the center. Everybody's heard about the big triangle, right? You've heard this before? Yeah, so it's you going towards God, and guess what? As you are going towards God... You're going towards each other, but now God's at the center of what's going on. Uh, John 17, everybody remember what's, what's going on there? That's Jesus praying. What does he pray? That they may be one as we are one. God is inviting every one of us into intimacy with him, but he's asking us to do that together with him. How many heard that uh, a love triangle is bad? Everybody know that? Is a love triangle bad? (laughs) Love triangle bad? Yeah. It is bad. That means somebody's in the middle of your marriage. That's a problem. The original, the original love triangle. The original love triangle was a really good thing. It was two people brought together by God. Some of you are looking at me kind of weird. You're, marriage? Okay, let's back up. This is marriage. You thought you were getting married. Really what you were doing was you were signing up for a foreign language course. Yeah. Am I right? Most of you were goo-goo-eyed and you were looking at each other and you just couldn't wait for the honeymoon. But actually what you were doing is you were laying it all down. Here's what you were saying, whether you realized it or not. Ready? Everything I am or ever hope to be I give to you as a sacred trust handle with care I know it was more sexy than that but that's what you were saying you were laying it all down you just gave your life yes you just gave your life away like you didn't even know it but you did you gave your life away and and now God says you know what God says when you are willing to give your life away, not for a day, a month, or a year, but for the rest of your life, God says, ooh, I can work with that. I can work with that. You're willing to lay your life down for another person for the rest of your life? You know, that sounds a little bit like my son who gave his life. Yeah, he laid it down. You're laying it down. God says, I can work with that. I can work with that. And I want you to be one as we are one. I want you to be one, not just with each other, but with us. We were invited into the Trinity. Yes? Somebody say amen. amen. Is this cool? So think of a soccer game, and you get to play with the A-team. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Are, 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 we, all, are we all in? You're playing with the A-team. He took, he took, remember we've been translated from darkness to light? He put a new jersey on and he sent us back into the same game. But, he's, but now you've got the right jersey on. Now you're playing with the A team. And the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit could do way better without us. Somebody say yes. Like we're going to mess this up probably. But he says, yeah, no, we could do this better without you. But we want to include you. We want to invite you in. And we're, they kick the ball to us and they say, you, you kick the goal. We are invited into the Trinity that they may be one as we are one. Spiritual intimacy is worth working towards. It's worth being intentional about. It's, it's a narrative worth hanging on to. Now, there's all kinds of intimacy, and I won't spend a lot of time on this. There's physical intimacy, emotional, I call them the five life categories in coaching. And everybody wants to talk about intimacy. That's a very popular subject. But mostly when we think intimacy, most of us think about sexual intimacy or physical intimacy. It's two people coming together. How many know that when God brought you together, he wasn't wasn't thinking a one-night stand? He wasn't thinking of a one-night stand for lots of reasons. He wasn't thinking about it mostly because it's the wrong picture that he's trying to create. What is this? It's a mixed message. This is a very confusing message. No, no, no. This is a one-night stand right here. Everybody get it? No. Put you on my insurance? Forget it. Commit to you for 80 years? No, think again. But we could do tonight. God says, no, I have way more in mind for intimacy than just a physical, physiological union. Emotional, that's, I want to feel supported. Some of us in this room, in a room like this, there's somebody in this room, I promise it is not feeling supported. I don't feel like you care. Every time I open up, you know, you got the same old whatever. Or you put me down. Do I want to be intimate with you? Every time I come to you, you ring me out. Guess what I'm going to stop doing? I want to stop coming. Mental. Now, I'm not talking about IQ here. I'm talking about being on the same page. This is worldview. Do you have the same worldview as each other? Or do you have completely different worldviews? Like, like what matters? Or what's valuable? Or where we're going socially? By the way, socially, it's so funny. Like if you're here with your spouse, most of you are sitting together. Is that right? Do have any spouses not sitting together? We have a class for that. No. Right? There's this social thing that if we're in the same room and we're going to a seminar, especially on marriage, if we're going, like we should probably be sitting together if our spouse is here. It's very, very social. And it's spiritual. And we want to focus on, the, on spiritual intimacy. Now, I'm setting you up for a few slides. Is that okay? Okay before I give you solutions. Yeah, let's talk about the problem here. Here's some of the blockers. And some of you ex- have experienced this. And I believe God wants to heal. And I believe God wants to give us th- some things. And and one of the main things that I deal with in my coaching all the time is past sins and shame. Shame is huge. It will drive a wedge between intimacy. It's as wide as the sea. Shame, guilt, remorse, regret, shame. It's that thing I did or that thing I didn't do. We had a great, great session in here earlier today about forgiveness. It, it, it's. There's just, there's so much shame. I'm talking to people who have hurt each other deeply, 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 just like it could be a one-time deal, but it could also be over time, and there's just, and I can't, and I've come to my senses, and I realize that, and I just feel dirty. I don't feel like I can really, we can really do that. We could never have what God intended for us to have because of that thing that happened. Um, I'm dealing with a couple right now. Uh, He cheated on his wife. They've been married 16 years. He cheated on his wife last December. How many know that we're not over that yet? I said, the reason, you know, the reason why this is so hard is because it's like somebody threw a grenade into the middle of the room. If somebody threw a grenade in the middle of this room, We'd all be dead or blown up, or we'd be missing arms, and am I right? That's what adultery does. It, it's like a bomb went off in the house, and we're wondering why we can't why, why it's taking so long to heal or to rebuild? It's because we're, we're missing arms. We're missing limbs. This is huge past hurts sometimes we have had hurts that we even brought into the marriage and those hurts are keeping us and that's why this again that talk earlier today past hurts I have been hurt and that's made me not want to open up any I made a vow I'm never gonna I'm never gonna allow someone to treat me like that again Anybody know anybody like that? Maybe we've said that. These are blockers for intimacy. No wonder I'm not feeling close to you. I am not going to get vulnerable like that again because the last time I got vulnerable, I got kicked to the curb, pushed when I was down. Opposing values. I'm uh, dealing with one situation right now where a husband and a wife have completely different values. Completely different values in terms of how to raise the kids or what's important or where we're going to go or church or sports. This one gentleman, he's just, any spare time he has, he's at the kids' games. He's always at the sports. He's always with the sports. So when we talk about sports, yay, yay, yay. But there's a lot more life Unmet expectations, this is huge too. There's reasons why we're feeling it's hard to get close to our spouse. I thought my marriage was going to look like this. But it looks like this. I thought it was going to be like the sexiest thing. Like we were going to like get naked and do Bible studies. Like, it was going to be like the gorgeous, like the two shall become one, and they were naked and unashamed, and this is going to be like the best! And she goes, I don't think so. (laughs) And we all have unmet expectations. If we don't think we've had unmet expectations, we are lying to ourselves probably. We thought it was, I don't know what you thought it was going to, I don't know what you thought it was going to be like when you got married, but I promise you, it's not like you thought it was going to be like. (laughs) And that hurts. It's not fun. It's disillusioning. And feeling unsafe, unsafe. There's so many of us, if, if, I, if, if I had time with everybody in the room, and we get to what I call the underlying issues, is what I do with couples coaching. Get down to the underlying issues, you'd be surprised how many of us would fall into, the, into this category of just, I don't feel safe with my spouse. Again, the way you treated me, the way you talked to me, that thing you did, that thing we didn't do, that, that, that hurt and that pain I was experiencing, and you weren't there for me, I, I just don't feel safe. Every time I come to you, you tell me what I need to do, you're trying to fix me, you're trying, you, you don't have time for me, I, I don't feel safe. I'm setting you guys up. This is why it's hard. This is why it's hard. We don't just walk in and like everybody's ready to go. and Bible study, yes. It's not like that. Especially with our spouses. They know. They know us. They know our weaknesses. They know they've been disappointed. We've, 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 we've reamed them out too many times. There, there's, there's things that just make it unsafe. And you want me to be all vulnerable about my concerns, or my questions about God, or about what's God saying, or I I don't feel safe here. I'm not feeling, I'm not feeling loved. Now, there's consequences to all this, right? Do you know that one of the saddest things in the whole wide world, and some of you have heard this before, It's not being lonely out in the middle of the forest. It's being lonely in a crowd. And even worse than being lonely in a crowd is being lonely in your own marriage. And if we're honest, that happens. I feel alone. I'm married. And I feel alone. Like that's a height of absurdity that I would feel lonely in my own marriage. I feel like you don't want to be with me, or I feel like I have to do this on my own. You're not, you're not into it. I, I feel like you're not with me. I feel like, like where's, like my partner? Or I'm feeling distant. I'm feeling like, you know, I just don't want to engage because it's too painful. I'm, I'm not sure I trust you. If you have broken trust, and we all have, whether it's big or little, guess what? I can love you unconditionally, but trust is earned. And so some of us are in this mode where we are underwater or we're at zero, and we have to invest. Think bank account, and we need to put a whole lot more in, and we need to build up our trust account why? Because we're bumping along around, along the poverty line. We don't have the trust. We don't have the trust, and so we're wary, or we become really negative. That's that bitterness setting in. That cynicalness. Yeah, like, oh, I see you got your Bible out, <laughs> and we get really cynical. Oh, Bible study again, huh? Are we going to try this again? Are we going to read that book together again? Total cynical. Why? Because things have gone negative. I'm setting you up. So what do we do? We just had a great session on forgiveness. I talk about forgiveness a little different, but it's the same concept. I talk about forgiveness as being a practical tool Not an emotion Have you heard people say Hell will freeze over before I forgive Yeah We've said it, we've thought it People have said it to us Can I suggest that that betrays the fact That we don't understand forgiveness Forgiveness is not an emotion Are you kidding? Did Jesus Christ go to the cross because he felt like it? Somebody say no (sighs) Please He says I'm not going to do this every every Friday I'm not going to do this every weekend we call it Good Friday? It was a really bad Friday for him. Somebody say yes? This is not about feeling. He didn't die on the cross for our sins and take away our sins because, he, because it felt good. He did, we call it Good Friday because of the benefit it's had for all mankind. But it was a really bad Friday for him. Why did he do it? He did it because he was committed. And what he did, what he released it, he took all of our sins upon him on the cross. And guess what? Churches do a pretty good job about talking about releasing our stuff to God. You know, that's crap, the stuff, the sin, the muck, whatever. We release it to God. Our sin between us and God to get that clear. But guess what? We don't talk about enough. We don't talk about the sin done to us. This is why we're talking in here today. What do you do with the sin done to you? It turns out that God says you have to release that too. Not just your stuff, but the stuff done to you. Am I making sense? So the stuff done to you, I have to release to the cross of Jesus Christ as well. So I use the analogy of the the dog—the spring-loaded dog clip. Anybody know what that is? Who walks the dog? Anybody? Okay, so you you hook onto the chain, you hook onto the dog collar, spring-loaded, you can hook on, you can unhook. Can I suggest God, God set it up this way? If you like this analogy. If you are willing to release that person, that offense, that betrayal that we talked about this morning in the previous session. If you're willing to release that to the cross of Jesus Christ, you get to unhook. If you don't, you're still stuck. Think ball and chain. I need a, I need a volunteer. Okay, here you go. You don't even have to get up. Do you remember that thing you did to me last Wednesday? Yeah, that's a problem. (laughs) You know what the biggest problem is? Every time I see you, Kaylee, every time I see you, guess what I think about? Last Wednesday. Why is that, folks? Because that thing that happened between her and us last Wednesday connected us, think ball and chain. Now we're, that thing that went down between us has connected us in an unholy, unhealthy relationship. How do we get out of this? Forgiveness is a release mechanism. If I am willing to take that thing that was done to me and take it to the cross of Jesus Christ, the same place I had to take my stuff and release it to the cross of Jesus Christ, I get to unhook. Forgiveness is huge. If we don't don't do forgiveness, anything else we're going to talk about in this seminar is a waste of time. We've got to have a release mechanism. I do a whole seminar on forgiveness. It's the best thing since sliced bread. We have to understand forgiveness. It is not the only thing we have to do, but it is the first thing we have to do. If we're going to have spiritual intimacy with one another, we've got to release each other to the cross of Jesus Christ. You say, oh, psh, let people off the hook? No, that is not forgiveness. Jesus, did Jesus come to let us off the hook? No, we came to pay for our sins. You, does that person still have a problem? Yeah, probably, but now their problem is with God. Why? Because I released him to God. But I get, what? Free. I'm now unhooked from that thing that happened between me and my spouse. I'm free. Uh, we all have reputations. I have a reputation. You have a reputation. Everybody got Reputations. Yeah, if you don't know it, that's okay, you do and, and one of my re- reputations is I'm, people say, oh Pastor Paul, you're always smiling here's what nobody says we think you're smiling because you're the smartest guy in the room I've never ever heard that so if I'm smiling can I suggest it just might be that I'm free That's the benefit of forgiveness. And that's what you can do. You, you, does everybody know that you walk into a room different when you walk in free versus under something? <coughs> Somebody say yes? If somebody walks in that door and they're free, or somebody walks in that door and they've got, they're all under some big constraint or big concern or some bitterness or whatever, you can tell the difference. Absolutely. God wants us to be free. So I'm going to suggest about five things that you can do in a practical way. Everybody ready? We have to start with forgiveness or else none of this makes any sense. But if you will release each other to the cross of Jesus Christ, So you can be free to rebuild and reconnect. I'm going to suggest some practical things that can be very, very cool in terms of helping us develop spiritual intimacy with one another. As you can see, I don't need to read the slides to you, but when was the last time you shared your testimony with each other? Have you ever shared your testimony with each other? I hope you have. But when's the last time you did that? Like, where did you meet Christ? Have you told each other? When's the last time you shared that? Is that something you could do while you're still up at Mount Hermon? Yes? Like, let's just go over that again. Where, how did we each come to Christ? I would love to hear that. It is so fun. One of the the things I get to do is hear people's stories. When... How, how did you come to Christ? Now, there's something about telling that story that's invigorating and something the Holy Spirit of God will do as you're telling that story. He will remind you. The word in the Bible is called remember. It's called rem- memorial. It's called going back and revisiting what God has done. And share your spiritual journeys. How did you, how, how has it been over your life? Have, when's the last time you've done that? Could I suggest that, We've still got a few hours here. You guys could actually do that. Like, let's just think. Okay, so how has our spiritual journey been? Where did we see growth? Where were we kind of stagnant? Where were we distracted? Where did we get off track? How do we get back on? Share our spiritual journeys. And when was the last time you actually told each other what you would like this to look like? This is not rocket science you know what I'd like our relationship to look like? When's the last time you had that conversation? Is this something we could do? Is this too hard? Somebody say no. (laughs) You know what I'd really like? I would love it if, like, you would just lay hands on me. Or you could, we could pray. Like that thing that I struggle with. Could you just be like my my prayer warrior? You know what I'd love for our family? You know what I'd love? The way I'd love to serve the Lord. You know, I haven't even told anybody this. In fact I hardly admit it to myself because we're so busy doing raising kids or whatever. But this is what I would love. Do you know that God will use you sharing those things for his plans and his purposes and you will begin to start to come together sharing what God is doing. Is that something that everybody in the room could do? Can we do that? Could you guys do that? Like today? I thought you could. Like two minutes, like five minutes, like go for a walk. Can we do this? Like, what are your hopes? What are your dreams? Okay, what if we just set aside whatever, however we got here, what if, what if we started, like, drive a stake in the ground, new page? What's 1 Corinthians 5.17 says? Say, everybody? We are now a new creation. Old things have passed away behold, all things have become new. Somebody's going to do that today. I don't know which one of you it's going to be, but somebody's going to go share about what you would love this to look like. And it's going to move you forward. And then some of us just need to have just need to say, I need, we need to have a crucial conversation about what's actually going on here. Why is it so difficult? Where Where did we go off? Was it that, was it that, was it that insecurity about the money that made us run after whatever? Or was it, uh, we were trying to prove something or we were trying to get something or trying to go somewhere? And And, and why was that so tough? And, What we need to understand where we are vulnerable where are we vulnerable that would be a fantastic conversation do you know where you are vulnerable where every marriage is different by the way God loves your marriage you're different than everybody else in the room on purpose think Starbucks, it's all about new blends we've never ever seen this blend before That blend, we've never ever seen that blend before. In fact, it's never been in the history of the world, and it'll never be again. It's unique. God likes your blend. I talk to a lot of people, and they say, yeah, I think actually it was a mistake. (laughs) Let me just give you a very quick word on that. Some people get into their marriage by walking through the front door. Some people get into a marriage by walking through the back door. Some of you guys are thinking about that, right? Some get into a marriage by crawling through a window. Some of you got into your marriage by coming down the chimney. (laughs) However, you got into your marriage, you are in your marriage. We're done. Whether you think it was a mistake, or whether you thought it was funky, or whether whatever, whatever, you're, you're in a marriage, you're in a covenant, so it's not a mistake now. You're in it. That was good news for somebody. God has you in this thing, so now it's like, so what do we need? What do we need to? What do we need to embrace? What do we need to remove? Um, well, let's go. I think I want to go back to that one. I got one more thing. Uh, no, I'll hit that. I'll hit that later. Okay. So, goals. Now, all those things are important. All those things are important. We need a way to spend time with God. You can't do spiritual intimacy without being spiritual. Can we? You can't be like carnal you can't be like i just don't want anything to do with god but let's go for spiritual it doesn't work i've got to be spiritual and these are just several of the things these all need to be in our lives and i'm not here to condemn anybody but i promise you there's something on that list for you now the thing that i think is so important is the first one I've gotta have a time, a way to be with God. I talked about this yesterday. This is just a very simple thing, it's called life journaling. And I am not a rocket science, but I, somebody showed me this 19 years ago. And I have, been, I have been talking about this and pushing this and doing this ever since, and it's been the best. This has been the best thing I ever did for my spiritual health and well-being. Really? Yeah, really. Why? Because I talk to couples all the time. You cannot coach with me without me talking about you having a way to spend some time with God on a daily basis. And don't think spiritual. Don't think Bible. Don't think church. Think food. Are you better than me because what, what you ate this morning? Somebody say no. No, oh, you're not any better than me but you have some nutrition in you. Can I suggest that we just need to get some nutrition? If you don't think food, you might get weird on me. But but if you just think food, I just need some spiritual nutrition on a regular basis so that I can be who God, the man or woman God wants me to be today. Is that right? And I just need, I don't have two hours I can't do Bible studies every day for two hours. I just need a way to spend some time with God. I talk to people all the time, and they go, wow, I just need something simple. I'm going, yeah, me too. So this is a very, very simple way. If you've got a killer way to be with God, don't change a thing. But most of us need just some help, and this is an easy way. Somebody introduced this to me. and They use the acronym SOAP. Some of you have heard this. Scripture, observation, application, prayer. There's a, little, there's a little reading plan in the front of this, and then there's a bunch of blank pages, and it's no, no guilt plan. There's not gilded pages with big dates on them that if you miss that date, they stare at you and say, you missed your time with God. No, none, none of that. There's a little reading plan in there. And what you do, I tell people, you don't even read everything on the reading plan. Think of it like a restaurant menu. When you go to the restaurant, do you eat everything on the menu? No? No! you just like, I want a sandwich, I want a salad, I want a steak. You just pick something. You go to the reading plan and look at today and see what's on the menu. And you grab a hold of that and you start to pray. You read and you pray. And you pray this prayer. Don't make it too hard. You pray. I'm trying to keep it real simple for all of us. You pray, God, would you have something jump off the page at me? Why do Christians pray? Well, we pray because we think God's going to answer prayer. That's why we pray. Yes? So we pray. And we say, God, would you have something jump off the page? And you're reading and something goes, ooh, wow, that's interesting, or ooh. Oh, wow, that's important. Or, oh, that's convicting. Oh, wow, that's encouraging. For whatever reason, it jumped off the page, and then you simply write it down. Especially for us guys in the room, it is not a high school girl's diary. <laughs> and all the men said. Yeah, so it's not a high school girl's It's not like, oh, God, this is how I'm feeling today. No, it's not like that. It's the opposite. It's a download. So God gives you something, and they give you a simple way to put it down. I write down that scripture that jumped out. I write an observation about it, like, hmm, this is what I sense God saying to me in this scripture. Application. I write it, I I apply it to some area of my life. Every page says the same thing. How will I be different today because of what I've just read? And then do a little prayer. I just write out a little prayer. Dear Lord, help me to be this kind of person or whatever. Amen. And I'm done. It's just easy. I have them up here if you want them. Um, they cost me about eight bucks. So if you just hand me eight bucks, just take one with you. It, it's just an easy way. Why? Now, it is not sexy, like we said, to get all, get, to get all you know, cozy up on the couch. And like, we're going we're gonna to do our devotions together. How many have tried that? It's a little bit like trying to feed each other. It's a little messy. Yeah, I would suggest that each of you have your own relationship with God. Spend your own time with God. But what is sexy is to come together once or twice a week and say, so what's God been saying to you? Here's what's off limits. Hey, did you read your Bible today? I'm like, back off, Jack. Think food. Think food. But what is sexy is to say, hey, so what's God been saying to you lately? And that's what you share. You share fresh bread. I promise you that if you will commit to spending a regular time with God, let's say you skip a day or you miss two days. I always tell people, I don't even do it every day. I do it Monday through Friday, take the weekends off. And everybody goes, whoa, pastor? (laughs) It's not like I don't get Bible other ways. Like I work at church all weekend. I promise I get, you go to one service, I go to three. Okay, so I get Bible but I need to keep up my spiritual health and I need to keep up my spiritual health during the week. I promise you, that's going to change somebody's life. You come up there, it's going to be as simple as that. And then embrace new beliefs. Now, I'm going to give you a little something on this one. Okay, you ready? You can write this down the margin if you want to. The reason why we have to embrace a new belief is because our beliefs are the underlying Convictions that motivate everything we say, think, or do. Let me say it again. A belief is bedrock. It's the underlying conviction that motivates everything we say, think, or do. And here's how beliefs work. I call it the pathway of beliefs. So my beliefs inform, write this down, just point a little arrow. My beliefs inform my values. Everybody in corporate America wants to talk about values. Nobody wants to talk about beliefs. I promise. You go in there and start talking about your beliefs. Like, Mm-mm. I always like to ask the people who like to talk about values, so where do you think you got those from? But anyway, so I, my beliefs inform my values. I don't value stuff I don't believe in. Are we good? Keep going. That informs my commitments. I don't commit to things I don't value, that informs my commitments. This is why this is so important for us to embrace, embrace new beliefs. And that informs how I think and feel. Think and feel. I just say it that way because some are feelers and some are thinkers, but whatever. I don't think about the stuff I'm not committed to, and I don't commit to the stuff I don't value, and I don't value the stuff I don't believe in. Am I making sense? So it's a pathway. And so, I'm, so my commitments inform my, how I think and feel. And that informs my behaviors. That informs my actions. That's what I end up doing. So if some of you guys that are extra smart in the room realize now that you, if, you, you, if you see what somebody's doing, if you get enough time, you can actually go all the way back to what they believe. That's why your beliefs are so important. Beliefs are bedrock. My son is a civil engineer. They put the new Bay Bridge up. How many know that they didn't just, you know, dig a hole and call it good? They did this weird, crazy stuff. When they went down to bedrock, they went down in a kind of a corkscrew matter and, and fanned it out. There are, there are things going down into bedrock at all different kinds of angles for that Bay Bridge to, to hold up. Because we're in earthquake, earthquake country. You've got to have it tied to bedrock. And you've got to have your beliefs tied to bedrock. And there's some beliefs you need to discard. There are some things that we have been doing in our marriages that have not been helpful. And there's some beliefs that are unhelpful for your marriage. Here's one of them. You want something practical? She'll never, ever change. Pfft. Are you kidding? How many of you know that's that's a belief that we probably is not going to help us. Here's the deal. If your belief system is not supporting what you're trying to do, you'll never do it. Ever. If I believe that we cannot achieve spiritual intimacy together, we'll never do it. We won't even try. Am I right? If I believe that putting my key in the ignition of my car would set a bomb to blow up me and whoever's in the car, guess what I'm never going to do if I truly believe that? If I believe something, that's my bedrock, and that motivates everything I say, think, or do. Am I making any sense? So I need to understand that there's beliefs I'm going to need to embrace. I need to believe that you can change. I need to believe that God can work in our hearts. I believe that spiritual intimacy is godly and right and good and necessary. If I don't believe that, we've all wasted our time. God wants me to understand that beliefs are core and I better embrace some new beliefs but I'm probably also going to need to discard some old ones because I've lived with you for a lot of years you're my spouse and I know you and you're never going to change or this is never going to happen or we're never going to be we're dead in the water am I making any sense? The Holy Spirit is talking to you right now about your situation and he's saying, "Yes." And that's why it's important for you to embrace do I, what do I believe that God wants for our marriage. Do your beliefs align with what God says in his word? If if God if if our beliefs do not align with what God says, it's never going to happen. Here's what most couples come to me with. Hey, if you were really a Christian, you would be like you would like see it like I do. Oh yeah. If you were a Christian, you would be over here with on my side. And now we've got a tug of war. And being godly is being like me. Am I making sense? Cuz I mean, I know I'm right, right? So why are you not over here with me embracing what I do and what I want and what I say and what I think and if you were really a good Christian, you would be over here and this would be glorious and we would be together because you would be on my side of the ledger. We just set up a tug of war. She's over here saying, yeah, when you get your act together and we get over here, then we'll talk. And he's going, I don't think so. And now we're going to pull each other across the line. I can always hear God going, hey, guys, I'm up here. (laughs) Do you know that getting more spiritual doesn't mean being more like your spouse? It doesn't mean capitulating or doing it their way or them doing it your way. It's us. It's us. Coming together and realigning with his way. Oh. Again, this is not rocket science. This is what the Bible calls us to. It calls us to realign. I need, if I'm going to be close to my wife, it's because both of us are aligning with him. He's the standard, the plumb line. He is the goal. He is the purpose. It's his way. It's his will. It's his plan. It's his purpose. And as we align with that, by the way, sin, remember the word sin means missing the mark, that means we're out here on that issue. We're off, we're off somewhere else. We're out of alignment. We've got to come back to realign with him. It's not about you. The way you guys are going to get spiritual intimacy isn't going to be like, okay, 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 okay. I'll finally I'll do it your way. That's not how we do it. We all come to his way. Yes? And we begin new habits. How many know that the holy the, the person that succeeds at this is not the holiest person in the room? Which one of you thinks you're holiest? That's not the, that's not what's gonna make this happen. Oh yeah, I'm holy, you know, your halo's slipping. Yeah. That's not the person. The person that's gonna succeed at this is the person that can develop a new habit. How do you make a bad habit? Don't overthink it. Doing it over and over. How do you make a good habit? Doing it over and over. If I can make a bad habit, and I know I can because I have, that means I can also make a, a good habit. Here are some good habits. So, which one do you want? Everybody, pick one. Don't do them all. Say, God, what's what's the where can we start? Every one of us in this room could pick one of those. Yes? Let me give you a second. Everybody got one? This could be the most important two minutes of your weekend. I would love for you guys to go and have a conversation, following our time together here and say, you know what, what came to your mind? What's one thing we could begin doing? Some of us need a date night. We haven't had a date night since we were in college like we need a date night. Like don't stop dating your spouse. Like you need a date night. Some of us need to join a small group and get some support. And some accountability. Some of us have been so distracted we we're, we're, we're not even plugged into a to a community. What is the thing that we that everyone could what's the new thing we could do that would Move us forward. I said this was going to be practical. Is there something up there that you could do? How do you make a it habit? You do it over and over. I date my wife over and over. and It becomes a habit. It's part of who we are. My wife and I have a date night. Get this. Every Saturday morning. That's a joke. It's not a night. It's not a night. It's a morning. That's our date night. Why? Because we're busy with other things and kids and all ministry and all kinds of things. Our date night is Saturday morning. We've been doing that for years. It's a habit. We have a date night Saturday morning. When's your date night? What's your What's your spiritual habits look like? we'll end with this. Remember what I started off with? When God said the two shall become one, he wasn't just talking about sex. He wasn't just talking about cohabiting. He wasn't just talking about feeding the kids Cheerios and sending them to the school. He wasn't just talking about growing old and growing apart. He had way more in mind for us than that. He said, look, I want, I want you to be intimate with each other, but this is not like the game where each of us tries to outdo the other or each of us stares at each other's face until our heads caves in. No, this is about us coming together in a way that puts God right in the center. The two shall become one was never intended to be the two shall become one without God. It's the two shall become one as they approach God. And that's what God had in mind for your marriage, and not for a day, a month, or a year. But for the rest of our lives. By the way, that kind of intimacy is a, it's what the Bible uses as the quintessential prototype or analogy for heaven. Which is why there's no marriage in heaven. The quintessential analogy the bride, the bridegroom, the husband, the wife, Christ, the church, all that kind of stuff. It's, it's based on what God has given us here because there's no other commitment, there's no other covenant outside our covenant with God on this earth be, before we die that's as important or as foundational or as or um, meaningful as the relationship that we've all committed to when we committed to one another. And God says, I can work with that. In fact, I'm gonna use that That's going to be the analogy for us to understand that we are going to have intimacy, not just with one person, but we are going to have intimacy together as the body of Christ with our Lord based on what you guys are doing right now to the 10th power. We are going to, this is what, this is what's ahead of us for, ahead of us in heaven is this kind of intimacy, our intimacy, not just us, but our intimacy with Him? Is that cool? We get a pre glimpse. We, because we've made that covenant agreement with each other, the most foundational uh, covenant agreement that two people can make this side of heaven, because we've made that, God says, that's, that's what we're going to go for. And that that's what he means by the two shall become one. Isn't that good news? Is that good news to somebody? That's what God has in mind for you. God is not happy with this coexisting thing that some of us got going on. With this, I am so tired of you. Or I'm so tired of this. Or I don't know where this is going to go. I mean, is this actually ever going to go anywhere? God hears your cry. He feels your pain. He wants more for us than that. And God is saying, by the Holy Spirit today, will you take that step? Will you move forward in that? Can I pray for you as we close? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I bless you. I bless you, Father, that that you've called us in this weekend to come and consider what you are wanting to give us. God, you have, a, you have a blessing. You have something special for each of us that will lean into you together. God, would you, would you give every single one of these couples whether our spouse is here with us or not, would you give every single one of these couples who've taken the time to be here, to hear from you, God, would you give them some encouragement? Give them the ability to walk towards you together and bless that. And take another step and another step as they continue on their journey of life together. God, may they do it in such a way that they're built up, that they understand that there's blockers, but they understand, God, that, that you are giving them ways to be intentional about pursuing you together. For we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you all for coming.